This is the No More Wasted Days podcast, and we're your hosts, Sarah Kaufman Bradstreet and Heather PG. Grab your favorite NA drink and listen as we share vulnerable stories so you never feel alone on your alcohol-free journey. And gain insights from us as we break down our most used tips and strategies that have kept us alcohol-free. It's time to break free from wasting any more of your days to the drinking blackout hangover cycle. One thing you guys might not know about Heather and I is we have a little bit of a deep, dark secret in our past, and it's not that we were drinking too much and blacking out regularly and having hangovers. It's that we were both part of multi-level marketing business plans. And if you don't know what those are, think Mary Kay, think Pampered Chef. But both of us did that in the past, and we both kind of found out after talking to each other that drinking was very weaved into that business for us. And just a disclaimer, we don't want to say that all MLMs are pushing alcohol on people. I think it's very much a, that was in our minds, this is what we created, but we're going to go through. So Heather, why did you join an MLM? Yeah, that's a good question. And like Sarah said, no shade to MLM folks at all. Yeah. I loved mine. I still love mine. Yeah. I joined... I think too, I know this now, I don't think I knew this then, but I wanted a little team, some girl time, some extra cash, like an online business sounded pretty cool. And, you know, the sense of connection, so to speak. Yeah, that was something that came second for me with me joining a business. I wanted to do it to make some money. It was an extra business for me. I saw time freedom in it, and I saw a way to have a side hustle that sounded really interesting to me. I don't want to say it sounded exciting. It sounded hard. At the time, I was a full-time teacher. My husband actually found this business for me. He found it on a podcast, and he was like, you need to listen to this. I think you would really like this business. It sounds right up your alley. And I listened, and I looked at him, and I rolled my eyes. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is like one of those pyramid scheme things. No, thank you. And he was persistent. If anyone knows my husband, I always tell him that that's his thing. He's relentless. It is a gift, and it's also awful. (laughs) But he would just kept being like, oh, I think you should do this. Like, what if it just was enough to pay for the workouts, pay for the supplements, and you just got to use that stuff? It's all stuff you like doing. It's almost like he sold it to me. So I found this lady that was on this podcast and I reached out to her. I was like the dream of anybody who ever has run an MLM. You know that if somebody just messages you and says, hey, I think I want to sign up. I think I want to I want to build this business. That's what I did. And the rest is history. I went all in because I was so in it to build a business. But then the idea of community started showing up for me. And this group of women that also wanted to build a business and also liked working out as much as me. So I had that for sure. But yeah, I was I was in it for the money. Yeah, (laughs) I think the money part was really attractive. And I loved the products. I like makeup and skincare. And I was like, well, this could be a good thing like we were going through the fertility journey which is really expensive it's also lonely you know because you're just in the throes of something that no one understands unless you've gone through it and I think I was wanting a distraction too like I said I didn't that makes total sense I didn't realize that until later really but 
that was motivating yeah. for me as well. And now that you say that, like I wanted a distraction, I can see that because I was a full-time teacher and I wasn't, I don't want to say I wasn't happy because I was actually working at a school at the time that I loved, but I had been bumped a lot and moved from school to school a lot. And I never knew where my position was going to be the next year. And it made me feel like, okay, this is something I can have control over. But yeah, it may, it gave me something fun. Something distracted me from like the chaos of, will I have a job next year or not? What grade will I be teaching next year? What school will I be at? So now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, I think we're just going to kind of dive into those different areas and how they kind of made our drinking perpetuate in a sense. Because when we both started talking about it, we were both talking about it almost made it feel like my drinking was normal. It made it feel like I could publicize my drinking. It made it feel for me that my drinking could sell. And at the time, I didn't think my drinking was even a problem. It was more of a part of my business model was that I was a lady who loved to work out, who loved to eat healthy and also enjoyed beer and wine. And I was trying to show people that this is something you can do, too. And one thing that was painted early on for me in the picture through my MLM was an idea of freedom, time freedom, money freedom. And that idea of freedom for me included drinking. I saw pictures of other women in the business posting pictures of themselves in their hot tub at noon with a glass of wine. And I see that and glow like, I want that. And I was like, yes, give that to me. And I just really dove all into that mindset. And it painted a lot of my picture, as you're going to see as we go through. As we dive into this topic, we're going to go through all those things that Heather and I were talking about. And say, with community came this, and with time freedom came this, and how it perpetuated our drinking in a sense. So for me, community was a huge piece. And the longer I've been sober, the more I'm starting to learn that my drinking gave me a sense of belonging. And I was never a person that felt like they belonged. I have always been a black sheep. And I like it. It's strange that I kind of say I used drinking as a way to make me feel like I belonged because I also really liked being an outcast. I still do. I like marching to the beat of my own drum. I like doing things my own way. But having a community and having a place where I had these instant friends just was pretty awesome. And the th interesting thing is with my with my MLM, I went to the first big conference and I didn't feel like I belonged at all. I went to this conference. I stayed at a hotel room with three ladies that I had never met except for on the internet. And at that conference in particular, I told myself that I would not drink that much because I needed to get as much as I could out of the trainings. And I needed to be alert for the workouts that they do in the morning. And I just wanted to totally soak it in. And I knew my drinking habits were that I would start drinking and drink way too much and have a hangover and it could ruin the whole thing. Well, I was in this room with women who seemed like they were kind of normal drinkers and they could handle it. So they were all drinking and I was not. And they labeled me as like a fuddy-duddy, as the one who's just like, oh, Sarah's just here to really go all in on the business. And it made that feeling all of a sudden be so intense in me that, oh, my God, now I, I don't belong where I thought maybe I belonged. And on the last night I drank and I got that feeling. Oh, here I am. And one of the ladies even said, where has this Sarah been the whole time? And I was like, oh, 
that's the trick. Like, that's the thing. And this is not the first time that it happened in my life. This is not the first time that alcohol made me feel like I belonged in a group where I maybe didn't quite belong. So all of a sudden I was like, oh, I should just cut loose and be myself, which we totally should. But then I went to a team retreat. So I went to this this conference where I totally didn't fit in. And then I went to a retreat and I decided I'm going to be myself. Everybody's going to see wacky Sarah. Everybody's going to see drinking Sarah. I drank on the plane ride there. I was drunk by the time I met the other girls and got in the van to drive to the fancy house. I was drunk when the person from corporate showed up and talked to us. Like it was just a weekend of excess. It was the weekend I was used to. It was a girl's weekend that I was used to. And I felt like I finally fit in with the girl crowd. And it was awesome. Like it was cool to have a group of girls that maybe one of them, my group of girls. So, and I know that the alcohol allowed me to have that feeling, but I will say I was absolutely miserable at that retreat. I was so hungover. I was sitting through trainings feeling like I was going to die. I remember getting up in the middle of one training and, and going to eat a lunch because I was like, I got to eat something. And when it was break time, I went and laid down and took a nap. And people were like, oh, are you not feeling good? And I was like, oh, I'm really hungover. Oh, yeah, you really you really cut loose last night. And that became my personality on the team. That became the there's good old drunk Sarah. And people loved it. But yeah. How was your sense of community in an MLM? Well, I never made it to any conferences or what have you, which is a good thing for me, given the nature of how much I drank. I think for me, I love makeup. Like I said, I love skincare products. And the person I signed up on under was much younger. And she had Valley Girl vibes. If anybody knows what I'm talking about. I don't mean oh, that yeah. bad. But, I know what you're talking about. Um, and you know I don't. I'm pretty laid back and I wouldn't describe myself as perky usually. So I kind of felt like, oh, you know, it's going to be fun. And I thought that we could be friends. I didn't yeah. realize that it was more of a numbers thing, you know, kind of like mm -hmm. the love bombing and then like, oh, okay. But I really like the products and, you know, I love makeup. A lot of my friends do, but they didn't live around us at the time. So it just seemed like, okay, let's do this. And I don't know, just a distraction and something I was hopeful to make some extra cash on. Or something you were passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know, I love to make people feel good about themselves. I am good at makeup. Like, you know, so that was kind of, kind of the, that's the short version. We'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. I will say I actually quit drinking while I was part of my MLM and the community piece I was really freaked out about after that because I had really become drinking Sarah to all of these women on my team. Like they knew that Sarah was there to have a good time. They knew Sarah was going to hop off the plane already drinking, ready to be like, let's do a shot. That was me. And there were a few other women on my team that were just the same. So I actually went to a conference after I quit drinking, and I almost didn't go. I was looking up, can I get a refund on a plane ticket? Because I knew my husband would be like, if you can't get a refund, if you can't get all your money back, no, you're going. And I was like, I don't want to do this. This is really overwhelming. And I was right around day 60. Hmm. It was somewhere in there because I remember one of the ladies said, so you're not going to drink at all during this trip? And I said, no, I'm getting really close to another milestone of day 75. That's when I was really in my 
counting my days. And she was kind of like, oh. And I found out a few things, like all this idea that drinking was what made me belong. It was totally false. There were other women on the team that didn't drink. Go figure. <laughs> I just didn't see them when I was drinking. And it was actually the best conference I had ever been to. And it was such a highlight. And I'm always so glad that I actually hopped on the plane that time. And it's when I stepped it up in my business, like I had been, I had been hitting new milestones and doing all the things as a drinker. But all of a sudden I saw, hey, I can reshape this in a different way. I don't have to be drinking, Sarah. And it made me see a lot of things where I was able to go, oh, it was actually me. I was the problem. I was the one saying, hey, let's drink and party. And everybody else could be a normal drinker. So it was a little bit of eye opener for me in a few ways. And I went to another retreat after that, too. And it was just a whole different experience. So there's just those two parts where I thought I I thought I needed alcohol to have this sense of community to bond with other women. And it turns out I didn't. So there were some really good parts that came with it, too. And some hard parts where you have to stop and figure out that you are the problem. Yeah. Like you. Oops, it was you. You were the one packing wine bottles in your carry on. Like I was the one that was like, oh, no, I packed vodka, guys. We don't need to find it because I actually it's in my checked bag. Like I <laughs> there was just one conference where I opened my suitcase and it's like wine, wine, vodka, gin. Let's do this. Oh, it yes. was exhausting. <laughs> like I said, I'm glad I didn't make it to the retreat parts because I was today old to know that you could even pack alcohol in a carry-on, but I bet you I would have I don't have even know if you out. could. I just did it. Somebody should tell us. <laughs> yeah. Some message. Could you do that or not? Don't do it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right. If you're listening <laughs> if, to this podcast, do you don't it. need to do it. <laughs> I do think, how stupid. All of that could have busted. And I remember, too, like weighing my suitcase and being sure it was like at its 50 pounds because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm ready. And I knew we were going to be in a hotel room and it was kind of hard to find liquor in these places. That was my drinking mm -hmm. brain back then. Yeah. And it's just, it's funny now because yeah, I wouldn't think about that at all. How freeing to not think about that, which is kind of where we're going next with the idea of freedom that was painted with an MLM. You get this idea of time freedom, this idea of money freedom being painted. And I knew it could be true. I had watched my husband, who's an online entrepreneur, build an online business. So I knew there was a way to make money online and have this freedom and work in my pajamas and not have to go to work every single day. And I was really like, this is the way I can do it. But what is amazing about multi-level marketing businesses is the way you're working so hard to bring other people onto your team because it is one of the ways you hit new levels. And I know they're actually changing a lot because I know that this is something that I, that multi-level marketing companies are seeing and kind of going, okay, maybe this isn't the only way people should be able to make money. I'm not sure on the details about that, so I could be totally off, but it seems like they're trying to make a change. But back when I was doing it, it was very like, build a team, make more money. And I was in it to build a business. So I was like, okay, I know I can make this work and I will have time freedom and I will have money freedom and my dream life will be there for me. And in my drunk mind, time freedom meant getting to drink more. My husband was already an online entrepreneur with his own business that he had built. And there were times where we would drink on the weekdays 
And I would be slogging off to go teach with a hangover and being like, oh, I'm so jealous of him. He's in his pajamas. He can be hungover. He just has to hop on online calls with people. This looks so easy. So I really started letting that become my thing. Like, okay, here I am, time freedom. It means drinking all the time. It means doing what I want in my free time. And I slowly cut hours and teaching because of this business, because I had the income from the business to be able to do it. As I cut hours as a teacher, my drinking went up. And it's like I was living that dream, which now we look at it and I think, wow, my dream was to be able to drink on the weekdays. There's better things out there than that. So was there an idea of freedom painted for you in your MLM? Was it? Yeah, I, I think that was part of it. If I could make enough money, have a big team, you know, I wouldn't have to work full time. I think that was some part of it. I think for freedom was that you could do it on your phone and do it from anywhere yeah. type of thing. So I could be free from the office setting or the clinical setting that I worked in. So that was attractive as far as time. But what I did was like anybody who drinks a lot, you know, I mean, there was my time. I spent it drinking instead of actually, yeah. air quotes, working the business. It's really hard to do both at the same time. Probably while it was not very successful. But yeah, I think the freedom piece was attractive and we needed the extra money. And I was like, okay, yeah, this will be the way. And I yeah. spent more money and drank more. So, like, because you were living that dream life. It's just kind of like I started living my dream and was like, if I live it, it will happen. I will learn how to support it. And it's funny now. I actually have more free time than I had when I was trying to live this life of time freedom. Yeah. And and I still I work in online business now. Still work in the pockets of time like I was taught to with the MLM and I still have so much more freedom in my time because my brain isn't thinking about alcohol anymore, go figure. And money freedom. I remember feeling so rich when I first quit drinking. I I kept looking at my bank account going, "Hey, we're not, we're not overdrawing, like what's happening? Yeah. And it really was that saving money. And I know Heather tracks how much yeah. money she has saved through an app. So she can actually even tell us how much money yeah. she saved over time. Definitely. One thing about time, I also track time. And at this moment, I think I checked it over the weekend. I've saved like eight months of time since I quit drinking over two and a half years ago. And my, that's wild. money is like over 28,000. That's that crazy? just on like the daily habit. That's not like any extras for booze or the purchases that I would spend while drinking or DoorDash or all the other stuff. That's just baseline. Oh, yeah. $28,000. Yeah, I don't even think about that stuff like the Amazon purchases you make when you're drinking. My husband bought... While we were drunk at a Tom Petty concert, my husband was like, hey, I just bought those tandem bikes for us and the kids. Like, we're just at a concert <laughs> drinking and he's spending $150 on Amazon. And I remember looking at him going, oh, OK, well, we didn't really talk about that. But here I am, like, huge course light. 
(laughs) Yeah. I don't care. A huge Coors Light that I probably paid $13 for. Right. It's just, it's crazy. Those little residuals that you don't even add up. I think I spent, when I figure it out, it's always somewhere between $250 a month to like $275 a month. So for both me and my husband, it would be $500. I'm going to do quick math here because I wasn't planning on doing this. So 500 times 12 is like 600, no, 6,000. So it's like $6,000 a year. And we've both been alcohol-free now for four and a half years. So when you start adding that up, and it's my husband and I, if you guys don't know, are in the process of building our own home. We're the builders. We're doing it all. And we've been doing it now for like two, two plus years. And it's kind of a spendy endeavor. And sometimes people will ask, oh, well, how do you, how can you afford it? Or we get comments on social media, like, must be nice to be rich. And I just want to be like, well, we quit drinking and it saved us a whole bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but it's so true. It really did. It, it's wild when you look at it. And I know you've done vacations with some of the money you've saved. Yeah. Like that was one of your first goals early on. Yeah. We've gone on vacation. I mean, we moved. We got out of debt. I mean, you could do a lot with $28,000. Yeah. And we watch a lot of people in our community get out of debt, too. And I really do think the party lifestyle, which when I call mine the party lifestyle, I was drinking at home. I was drinking with my husband. We didn't go out a lot. Our kids were little, so we didn't go out to eat a ton either. But it still was adding up. But when you ditch the party lifestyle, your your bank account goes up. So you don't have to do things like join an MLM if you don't want to. Right. Yeah. And when I want to, please go for it. (laughs) Yeah, please do. When I was like trying to build the business, I know I would be drunk and like purchasing stuff to meet my goal. So I was just basically paying to m- promote myself, like make that make any sense. And yeah. like they would put things on special, you know, to try to get you to hit your monetary sales goals or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the interesting things that I didn't get when I was in an MLM. I didn't quite see it until I stepped away from the business is how much they are catering to their representatives and how much money their representatives are making them or whatever they call them for which every company gives their people a different name. But the money that I would spend when a new workout program would come out and I was like, well, I have to purchase it because I have to do it before anybody else can do it to show that it works. And oh, I have to try this new supplement so I can tell people about it. It's a very smart business model, if you will, Mm -hmm. to get this whole group of a million people who are out there promoting your product. And every time a new product comes out, you're like, oh, put it in my cart. I got to buy it. I was the person, oh, it'll be released at midnight. Okay, I'll set an alarm because they would kind of go, oh, this might, this one might sell out. And it was just that, that scarcity mindset. And oh my gosh, I look at that stuff now. That's like the, I watched Lula Rich probably like a year ago. And I remember looking at my husband in the middle of it and I was like, oh God, I was in a cult, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and he started just laughing and he's like, you know, you you liked it. You had fun. So don't beat yourself up. But it, it's a, it's a unique marketing method. Definitely. You learned a good bit about business and yours, didn't you, Sarah? 
I did. I actually learned a ton about, because I didn't know anything about Instagram when I started. My Facebook was only about me and my kids, which now my personal Facebook is totally back to that. And it's kind of freeing to not be tied to my my Instagram stories and my got to make a post about the kids so I can then make a post about selling something. But I learned so much stuff about building a business and I really liked that piece. And I brought a lot of it over to building this online business and getting to bring something else that I'm pretty passionate about into the world. But one of the things that they taught us at one of our retreats we went to when corporate came, they were like, you need to have these five pillars of your life that you share. And you got to figure out those five pillars. And that's what you're going to post on Instagram. That's actually really good advice on Instagram. If you're sharing about yourself and sharing your personality a little bit, then people are kind of going, oh, I know who that person is. I feel like I know, like, and trust them. But one of my pillars was a drink. And I was totally sold on this idea that one of my pillars wasn't just going to be that I drink, was that I drink IPAs. I drink beer. The, the one thing we should not drink if we're trying to get fit and lose weight, I'm going to show people that you can. So it was part of my Instagram stories and then hashtag IPA all day. That was just one of the things I would do. You'd see that picture of my beer by the fire pit, my hashtag, and then you wouldn't see anything because then usually I got drunk and I had rules that I would not go on my phone when I was drinking because I didn't want to wake up and see, oh my God, what did I do? What did I post? Oh, did I make myself look like an idiot? But I totally glamorized drinking because of this pillar. And when I quit, it was kind of hard to then go, hey, everybody, I quit drinking because that one beer that you would see in my stories was actually multiple beers and then was a hangover the next day, not just, a, oh, today I'm just snuggling on the couch. No, today I'm hungover as shit and I'm having to take care of myself. I totally made it look like this cool thing. I made it look like you can have your cake and eat it too type ordeal with the you can you can have your workout lifestyle. You can have the body you're trying to get and still drink your beer. And now I look back at it. I can't believe I did that so much, but I also didn't know. It was just kind of who I was and what I thought I was doing. I also saw top sellers doing the same thing. The top coaches on the for the brand would be presented at the big conference each year. And one of them one time was presented a belt. They had always given this belt. It was kind of cheesy. But they'd give them this belt like they had just won a wrestling match. And they gave this lady a belt and hers had little tequila bottles in it. Oh, my God. And I remember being like, oh, if she can drink and build this crazy business that's huge, I can drink and build this crazy business that's huge. And that's obviously my, my drinking brain talking to me right there. That's not what everybody saw at that conference. That's what I saw. And also, I wanted to build a team of drinkers. That was a big deal to me. Like, I want to build a team of drinkers so when we have retreats, all my girls are there and we're going to be drinking and having a fun time. And it's not just going to be all business, business, business. And yeah, I don't know. It's not the reason I started. When we go back to why did I start to build a business? In the end, I was like, oh, I want to build a team of drinkers. Yeah. It's kind of effed up. The last MLM I was in, the name was called Team Tipsy. And oh my gosh, our, yeah. <laughs> our names, like we had like our drinking names. I think mine was Hillary. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. We would just basically, I think like the leader wanted people to drink with them, so to speak. And 
at this point, that was like toward the height of my drinking. And this was a different MLM. So I was like, hey, these are my people. The cool thing about it is that I did reconnect with some old friends from my hometown. And I did have a little bit of connection, honestly, because, I mean, it was COVID. I had a newborn. It was a lot of isolation. So they're not all bad. But when you said the team of drinkers, like I was definitely on a team similar to that for sure. And I know you've got a great little story to tell about how you used alcohol in a way to almost give you the courage to build your business. Yeah. So uh, this was back in the day, 2016, maybe. And you had to do Facebook Lives. That was encouraged to do that, to show yourself putting on the products, kind of what I guess now is like get ready with me type of deal. And Mm -hmm. I would be like, okay, I'm just going to have like a mimosa or two and do my makeup on a Saturday. Well, that doesn't work. If you drink like me, then two turns into two bottles, so on and so forth. So I would be like doing my makeup, like three sheets to the wind, but I didn't think that anybody knew. Because, you know, that's the the lie we all love to tell ourselves. It's like, oh, nobody will notice. And luckily, I have put makeup on my whole life, and there is muscle memory to it. But when I see those pictures or the Facebook memories, I cringe. Oh, yeah. But yeah, and I used to get my wife involved and, you know, she drank at the time too. So it was like this dual makeup show and she doesn't wear makeup. So it was kind of fun to put it on her or whatever. She would let me use her as like a guinea pig for a new product or what have you. But I can remember trying to do it like early in the evenings so that I could get to my drinking. Like, let's get this part of the business out of the way so I can get to the my norm. And I was just so anxious, not realizing it the anxiety was more probably coming from the fact that I was alcohol was leaving my system and that's what I actually needed. But I told myself like Oh, I'll just have a couple mixed drinks to do my evening videos. So that is one of my shame stories about MLM is like going live intoxicated. And now Facebook just puts that in your face every year, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. If I have any, there's always a few. If I have any pictures left from that time frame, we should link them to the to that social media account for the podcast. I know we're not alone and the Facebook memories coming to get us. Like even not having to do with my MLM or having to do with it, when I see certain memories, I kind of go, who who was that person? Right. Like, oh, for me too, sometimes the pictures of me when I was really heavy in my drinking are really cute pictures. They look like, oh, that's such a cute family moment. But I know I was super hungover in the picture. And I know that I had spent the morning trying to talk my husband out of doing whatever was scheduled to do because I didn't feel good. So I'll see a picture that looks like this, you know, oh, look at that. Look at us. There's one at the pumpkin patch. Look at us at the pumpkin patch. And I know that that's a day where after we took him to the town trick-or-treating, we then took our kids to a brewery and drank and then drove home after like two drinks and drank some more. And it just turned into like, like, I remember the chaos of that day not just the the nice memory, kind of a little tangent on the Facebook memories. But yeah. no, actually, the end of my, my drinking kind of came to a close on a 
what did they call them, on a success club trip. Me and my husband went on a cruise with the MLM that I worked for, these trips that you could earn if you were hitting your sales quotas and anybody could go. But if you if you were hitting certain sales, the company would pay for certain parts, but they did not pay for our drink package on a cruise. So I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm buying us a drink package. And there was a whole deal where if one person buys a drink package on a cruise, the other person in the room has to buy a drink package. So you're not just sneaking booze to the other person. So I was like, I will buy these drink packages. But I looked at my husband like, but Ryan, we are going to show this cruise. Like we made money on you. It was a goal for us to drink more in in the amount of money we spent than if that makes sense. Does that make sense how Mm -hmm. I'm saying it? Yeah. Yeah, we were on a mission. And I will say that that was like, oh, it was like two months before we quit drinking, about a month and a half. And I always tell people that that was almost the, not the rock bottom, it was a really fun trip, but we drank the whole time. We got home, we kept drinking, and then we kept drinking. Then my 40th birthday came, then my husband's birthday came, and then a camping trip came, and it was just drink, 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 until... It all kind of came to, we can't keep this going. And my husband was the one that was like, I need a break. I can't do this. And I was very like, what do you mean you can't do it? And I was so, you just keep drinking. That's what you do. And it was just, it was a strange thing because I was with other people on my team on the trip and they seemed to drink just as much as me. Not all of them. One girl on the team doesn't even drink. So whenever I say that, like everybody else seemed to drink as much as me. One person doesn't even drink and it's just like, no, that's what my drinking brain wanted to see. But it was definitely the end. And when I see those pictures of me on the cruise, I'm always like, oh, God, that was, oh, that time was just, I don't even know. It's just a lot of chaos right there when I see it. Yeah. And I don't look back and see fun I, like I should because there was a lot of fun on the trip. Instead, I look back and I just see that that's when it was all kind of taking its terrible turn. Yeah, I get it. I completely get it. Yeah. I think for those who are listening, like talking about the community piece, the time piece, the money piece, the building a business piece, obviously it's of my opinion that you are far more successful if you're not drinking. And Mm -hmm. when I found No More Wasted Days, you know, I don't remember finding it (laughs) because, you know, I love that story. I yes. shouldn't love that story for you because I know the chaos you were in, but I'm always like, oh, I just remember you being like, I'm here on the first call. Yeah. And you shared that. And I was like, oh, here we go. Let's do this. Yeah. And I think once I decided to to join No More Wasted Days and start to try to make new friends and lay those new thought patterns and ditch booze for the last time is when I found my people. and. I've met you and one of my closest friends who actually lives in the state and some other folks that are just amazing. And like, that's where the community and the time and the, and the welcome. And when I lead calls now, no more is the day. I obviously don't need any booze to get in front of a camera and tell my vulnerable stories. Right. It's so crazy because we do think, I remember one of my things was in an MLM was that I wanted to have a big enough team that I led calls. I wanted to be the person that gave talks. And I found that in No More Wasted Days. I started vulnerably sharing my story, something that I said I would not share and I would not make a a pillar of my business. I was like, I will not share this 
I will not use this as a marketing thing. And it turns out that I hosted a Sober October with a group of friends. And I was doing that Sober October as a way to get people to join my MLM. I really was in my brain. I was like, if I can find people that ditch alcohol and then they're going to be like, oh, I want to keep this healthy lifestyle going. And I can say, oh, I have the workouts to help you. This will be the thing. And instead I found out I just loved helping people quit drink. I Mm -hmm. loved seeing other people have the transformation take place. I made a friend in that Sober October group that I still keep in touch with. And she's a few months ahead on her alcohol-free journey. And all of a sudden it clicked. And I was like, no, this is the thing you need to share. These are the vulnerable stories that people need to hear and it will change their life. And it really does. I always say drinking changed my, not drinking changed my life. Drinking did change my life. But quitting drinking gave me the life I was searching for the whole time. Yeah. All of a sudden it was there. All of a sudden it's the, the courage to build a business. It's the courage to quit my teaching job. I don't think I ever would have done that. Yeah. And it's the courage to do things like to move about to the, the edge of middle of nowhere is where I say we lived and build a house on our own. I just wouldn't have done those things. Right. And it goes beyond. And the community, oh, when I get off calls each week, I am just, my heart is so full. Yeah. And I know everybody else's is too. It's a really cool thing. Yeah. I always learn something on each and every call that I always take notes. Uh, you know, I'll go back to read the book recommendation or, mm-hmm. you know, to the something that lands for me. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to p- implement that. And it's not all about humdrum. Life sucks without alcohol. It's actually the opposite. No. And it's like I'll, I'll learn so much about all kinds of things that are relevant to life or anything. So, yeah. With that said... Y'all should come join us in the Daymakers community and see what we're talking about. Yeah, we're a fun little crew. And we have an online message thread that's off of Facebook. So when you are having moments like at midnight, you can go into that online message thread and say, oh, man, I'm having a rough time. I can't sleep tonight. Or, you know, I'm thinking about drinking all the time. No matter what time zone you're in, there's somebody in there all the time. And then the calls are just they fire you up. So yeah, if you guys yeah. want to do that, just check out the link in the show notes. We always leave it there. The Daymakers is always open for you to join. Definitely. Come join us. And if you think yeah. this podcast would land for one of your friends or family members, give it a share and make sure that you like and follow so you don't miss an episode. Yep. And remember that doing a simple review for us, a five star is much appreciated. If you do that for us, it just helps us boost into that little podcast algorithm so more people can find this information yeah all right all right i think we got it 